Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So I'm going to need your help because I do not know much about the dating world today. I'm I'm a happily married guy. I have been for years. I never once did a, an ounce of online dating in my entire life. Never happened. I'm not looking to, by the way. Settle settle down, everybody. Tony Katz. I mean, I know some people got their hopes up. Breathe. I've spoken for. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. No, this is a story about a... Uh, about a video that has people talking. Now, any video that comes from TikTok, I am saying I, I, I don't know if it can be believed. Everything that happens on there, I assume in the main is generated for the click. That's my take. But this is a story of a Young woman. If you told me she was 20, I'd believe you. She could be 23 for all I know. She's in California, which could, could uh, you know, poison the well there, but, but go with it. And she's talking about who she's been dating and going on a, a date. The, the, the account that posted it wrote, homegirl reverted back to factory settings in the presence of masculinity. Six years of women and gender studies down the drain. Listen. Guys, I went on a date this week and I felt the feminism leaving my body. I live on the east side of L.A. And if you don't know what that means, it's sort of like the artsier part of L.A. You know, it's it's people say it's like Brooklyn and New York. Like, so I go on dates with a lot of men and women who. I don't think anybody refers to the east side of L.A. as anything remotely having to do with Brooklyn. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, uh, she goes on a lot of dates with men and women. So she's she's giving you her the, the, the full of what she's about. But wait for it. Who, you know, live over here. There's always a negotiation about who pays. And that's great. I like to pay for people, all that. But what I will say is that I sort of fell into going on a date with the most guys guy I've ever been on a date with. And he's from West West, you know, Santa Monica. He's a bro, right? A guys guy is usually not my type. Like, I cannot remember the last time that I went on a date with like a straight bros bro. You know what I'm saying? But it befell me. It befell me in an organic fashion. So I'm on this date with this guy. And the thing about a guys guy is he's putting his card down. He's paying for everything. And I really just, it sort of activated something feral in me. I'm not going to lie. He went to like another bar and he went, he was going to go to the bathroom. So I was getting prepared to pay for our drinks because he's been paying all night. Of course, I'm going to pay for the next round. But as he's going to leave for the bathroom, he turns to me and he hands me his credit card and he goes, here's my card. Get us whatever. It might be time for me to get away from all these, you know, liberal snowflakes on the east side. And that's the video. She is, she can't believe that a guy said to her, here's my card, get whatever. There are, 
There are there are many of us. First, I I must say you gave the card. You didn't give. You, you didn't have cash. I don't understand the cash thing. And I know I know I am the most dying breed that I carry cash. I carry. Look, if you want to come at me, come at me. Uh, I carry cash. I am not afraid to carry cash. I ain't afraid to buy the thing when the moment comes in cash. I, I, I am on an island on this one. And I do not understand men who don't carry cash. I didn't say you couldn't have a credit card. I didn't say you couldn't have Apple Pay. I do not understand men who do not carry cash. But let's leave that to the side. This girl had somebody give her a credit card and say, get us whatever. And she literally melted. Can someone explain to me what the hell is going on in America with dating? Can someone explain to me what it is that young women, women in their 20s, are being subjected to by so-called men that this is something they've never seen before and is of such strength that they quite literally fall apart? That woman is four seconds away from saying, how many babies do you want from me? I know, I know, cold-hearted. But fact, she couldn't believe it. So now I want to know what the hell's going on. Now I need a little bit of help. You're telling me that as a standard, guys don't pay? I am not making the argument that in a relationship, especially as it's going, um, and and building out that it is it's 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 a respectable thing when a woman says hey let me let me take care of this and when I say it's respectable for them to say so I don't let it happen I would never let it happen it wouldn't dawn on me to let it happen are you insane but what is ha- what is happening guys don't pay now. You understand, ladies, that some of that, a vast majority of that, nearly all of that is your fault. Your feminism, nonsense, garbage, claptrap, BS. Your fault. When you see guys who are not men, but they're beta males, who would rather be in the basement playing video games, that's your fault, ladies, because you allowed the feminists, these progressive jerks, to attack, berate, shame, emasculate men and the opportunity for them to be men for years. You did it in elementary school. You did it in middle school. You did it in high school. You do it in in, in, uh, in culture all the time. And they said, screw this. I don't want to be any part of this. This sucks. Ask somebody out and then what? I, I say something wrong and the next thing you know, I'm called a rapist? Or I'm called to this, or I'm a bigot that, I get thrown out of college this, my life is over here, I'm going to get sued over there. Forget that. Let's play Fortnite. And I'm not anti-Fortnite. It's a fun game. I am saying I find uh, I find women uh, uh, more uh, enjoyable than Fortnite. That's me. That's me. What can I say? I'm old school. My wife, more enjoyable than Fortnite. Don't get me wrong. If you can snipe somebody, it's 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 pretty cool. Uh, but don't also get me wrong. Snipes. That was another letter Kenny reference. I could do those all day. What is happening in the world 
where this girl, her life is altered, altered by someone saying, here's my card, get whatever. Now, I, I will say, strong move. Problem is, the only move. As a matter of fact, I am not quite so sure what another move could possibly be. This conversation, this this video, has led to a lot of conversation and people talking about the whole idea of something called trad wife. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, of, of the term trad wife, T-R-A-D. Um, we're talking about the idea of traditional roles in culture. So trad wife is the woman who stays home, is the woman who makes the meals, those kinds of, uh, of things. Everything that a feminist would tell you is wrong. Not necessarily wrong. Because I think people look at this and kind of relate it to this concept of, 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 of power dynamic. And somehow engaging in some level of traditional role means that you're giving something up um, maybe y- you are, especially when you're talking about, I don't know, emptiness or uh, dating guys who can't figure out how to pay for dinner. Now, there's something very, very ugly about this, this, this video and, and this girl's statement that the thing that that turns her on is that somebody else paid. And it could lead one to believe that at the first, it's about the money. It's not. I I get that's what it sounds like, but it's not. It is the idea of, A, you matter, and B, I've got this. I can take care of this. I can take care of you. There are some in the progressive world who would be insulted by such a concept. I would suggest never marrying and procreating with those people. Because those people will never, ever, ever be worth your time. They can't be worth your time. Somebody who is offended by the concept of being cared for is not somebody to be around. As a man, you absolutely want to be somebody who does the the caring. It's not that caring doesn't come back your way. It just comes back differently. And you want somebody who appreciates that they're being taken care of. Not kept. Not degraded. We're not talking about putting anybody in a cage, right? This isn't the league. We're discussing the idea of wanting to care for somebody and somebody wanting to be cared for that reciprocal, valuable relationship. And yes, men, men are supposed to take care of the family in that way. This, I, I, I can picture how someone's hearing this 
for the first time in that nobody has ever engaged this with them before and never once in any of the gender studies classes that or gender studies adjacent classes that they've been forced to be a part of did they ever hear such a thing what is it like for an entire generation or two to not only be just basically misled but lied to and not just the men she fi- she feels herself sliding uh back you know uh, maybe she thinks it's regressing or maybe it's wait a second this is how i want to be treated now I didn't say what kind of restaurant it had to be or what kind of going out it had to be or how much money it had to be because the idea of spending a lot of money meaning a lot of love is not necessarily true. It is about the idea of men being able to say, I got this, I got you, I'll take care of this, I can take care of this, I want to take care of this. That is powerful and yes, It is attractive. And yes, women, not these feminist children, women value it. This video is outstanding. I will have it posted over at TonyKatz.com so you can share it with others and get their take. There is a place for men in the world and toxic masculinity is not real. Masculinity is valuable and good and important and necessary and attractive. And when you put it out into the world, what you will attract, hopefully, are women. Not these ridiculous, you know, uh, feminist freaks that you see on social media, but women who will be very thankful to meet you. Trust me, guys. This video, this story, this isn't the one-off. It's the norm. I'm Tony Katz. It's one thing to talk about people that are trying to come into the United States for a number of reasons. You know, I'll remind the viewers that it is not unlawful for somebody fleeing persecution, fleeing an authoritarian regime like we see in Venezuela, for example, to come to the United States seeking asylum. There's a process for that that we need to invest in more hearing officers, more judges, etc. But that's a very different population than some of the people who have been in the United States for a long time. Yes, undocumented. We know many of them as dreamers, young people who were brought here by their parents when they were infants in many cases. But ha- Listen to me, Senator Padilla. If you're going to try and still spin this yarn, uh, you are the problem. The people who are coming across aren't asylum seekers. They're migrants. They're being trained, coached, taught how to lie. Never mind those people who are young men, fighting age men, whether they come from South America, Central America, Africa, or China, and we're letting them into the country. Those are not dreamers. Would you stop it, you despicable liar? It's enough. 
We're not going to solve the problem if you're going to sit there on Good Morning America and, you know, engage in this this fantasy talk about how we have to be, oh, so decent and so loving. Would you stop? We have to be honest and clear and forthright. And I have much more to get to uh, about the border. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. They're lying when they claim asylum. And the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations that are doing this, those people should be thrown in jail. They're guilty of treason as far as I'm concerned. Chinese nationals, grown men, you're letting them come across the border? They just want a better life? You're out of your head. Part of our border problem is that we have absolutely no willingness to say, that ain't right. You can't come. You are not here with a wife and children. You're here on your own. You're 24 years old. You go back to China. You go fight Xi Jinping. You go fight the Politburo. We we want you to win, by the way. You're insane. You're a 26-year-old, able-bodied Nicaraguan man. Go make Nicaragua great. Oh, and please... Keep up with the cigars, because the work you're doing out of Esteli and Jalapa, glorious. Same thing with Costa Rica. Same thing with El Salvador. It's an unserious conversation that the senator from California is putting forward here. It is nonsense that is meant to be nothing more than spoon-fed ridiculousness to a group of people very happy to lap it up. And you think that the issue is Trump policies? Wholeheartedly support. Uh, but for whatever reason, folks have chosen to try to link this negotiation to uh, border and immigration policy, which is important. Uh, I, but I don't think one should necessarily be held hostage for the other. Now, on the topic of border and immigration, uh, the concern really starts with what we hear is being entertained by the White House and being uh, forced upon the negotiation table by Republicans. And that's frankly the failed policies of the Trump administration. No need to go back there. Uh, is there an increased number of folks coming to the border uh, in recent uh, months, in the uh, last couple of years? Yes, and it's important to understand why if we're going to responsibly and sustainably address it. But return to the, pun- the Trump policies, we know, is not the solution. What failed? You didn't say. That's right. There's nothing to say. Remain in Mexico is not a failed policy. As a matter of fact, the Biden administration is trying desperately to get back to it. Walls are not a failed policy. As Border Patrol has explained, they work. They've explained it on every level. We've got uh, the audio. We've got the stories. We've done the interviews. Not you, Senator Padilla. Clearly. What's the failed policy? This is the type of nonsense that one must fight. There, are the the idea that that Trump border policies failed is a lie. What we're doing now fails. Trump border policies were actual policies. Were they perfect? No. Do we need more? Yes. Changes? Sure. Better than what we have now? Without question. This isn't debate. But they will lie. Because they hate you more than they love the country. And that means hating Trump more than anything.
Remember, it's not about Trump. It's about you. I'm Tony Katz. So the Pacers get the W over the Charlotte Hornets, and it's oh, it's a big win. It's a super huge win. They win by, like, was it, 30 points. It's massive. They're off the schneid. They're on it. They're back on a roll. Who's kidding who here? Who's kidding who here? This is their first win after dropping four, and now all of a sudden I'm supposed to believe uh, that that the Pacers are, are back on it. All their fortunes have turned around. They've figured out the defensive woes. They've got their their offensive groove back. Everything's beautiful. Why, why are we having this conversation? And why do people immediately do this? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. JMV joins us. The voice of sports in Indiana from 93.5, 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. Pacers 144. The Hornets, 113, holding them to 113. It's the fewest points by a a, uh, Pacers opponent since uh, they held the Celtics to that number on December 4th. This game is proof that the Pacers are back, baby? It does not. Now, that uh, Celtics win was much more impressive with what they brought to the table there. But I'll tell you what it was, Tony. Don't completely overlook it because Charlotte played a significant role last night at Cambridge Fieldhouse, and that was the role of slump buster. And that's exactly what the Pacers needed because they were in a slump. They just needed a win no matter who they were playing last night. Needed a win, needed to feel good. You know, there are a myriad of excuses that people have used. Uh, it was the in-season tournament. It was the travel, blah, 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 whatever. Whatever the reason, they just weren't playing well, and that's what I got. That's what I saw. You even go back to that Washington game. That was incredibly bad. It was embarrassing what they did on Monday night at home against Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden. I mean, those guys were all clowning on the Pacers. They just needed a win. Uh, they were slumping, and that slump buster was in the form of the Charlotte Hornets. Thank you very much last night. Now, to your point, more of the proof is where this team is is going to be tonight. Because second of a back-to-back on the road at Memphis, John Morant, his home debut after that start of the season suspension because he always wanted to have a picture taken, put on the Internet with a gun in his hand or something like that, or round one. So he's coming back from that suspension. He's been back one game, made a game winner. He'll be back for his home opener tonight. That is going to be much more, of, to me, a gauge of where this Pacer team is right now coming off of last night than last night. Last night was just necessary, above all else. Is it that the Pacers need to show again that they can actually play some defense, or does it? Or is this a was this has been has this been an energy conversation? Has this been a team just out there flat, a team that really was tired? Maybe indeed they left it all out on the court before the in season tournament, and they just needed some time. Well, I mean, this league is is one that is built on, especially if you want to win at a higher level, you want to win in the postseason, you got to play both ends, and let's just face it. The Pacers play both ends when they want to play both ends. And I guess you can, you know, maybe attribute that to you know, the lack of energy, having that zapped out of you, not being home for two weeks or whatever. But you better get used to it because things are not going to be easy. Teams are not going to let them free flow offensively and get whatever they want. It's going to be much more difficult than that. And I will say this, it's better that they find this out right now because they still have time to do something about it. 
I still will question whether or not these guys are going to be engaged enough to truly be a defensive team that can help take them places. But I will say this, if they're able just to give a little bit more and able to, you know, be in a game to where they can get fourth quarter stops to me, that can make up for just an ability on that side of the basketball that this Pacer team, I don't think they have, but they can certainly show a little bit more resistance, for example, than they did on Monday night. I mean, you got three hall of famers. I understand but there was no resistance. There was no interest in playing on that side of the basketball. And that's what they have to get over. And again, it's better that you find this how to try to do something about it right now than coming up in March and then kind of put your hands up and go, oh, we are who we are. Talking to JMV, he's the voice of sports in Indiana from 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. Uh, before we get to the Colts, let's just a little bit of, of college uh, basketball. I don't even know if I want to discuss IU and 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 winning by one uh, the 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 other day and and we're supposed to think that this team is ready for prime time and then heading up the road a little bit to Purdue which is the number 1 team in college basketball I'm asking a question out loud maybe I'm the only one are they really the number 1 team in college basketball start with IU and then uh, move me uh, uh, up to West Lafayette yeah, it's kind of interesting, too. You look at IU, and IU fans are saying, hey, it doesn't matter how you win, just win against Moorhead State. But it was awful. It was ugly. That first half was terrible. And had it not been for a late-game run and then that final stop they got defensively, I mean, you lose that game. They already right now, in terms of the tournament in March, they have no really good wins at all, nothing really close to it in a Moorhead State loss like that. Give you a great example. Purdue played Moorhead State, beat it by 30 earlier this year. I mean, Moorhead State, simply put, not that good. They had a hot player the other night, and IU just didn't show up in the first half. But at least they didn't lose. From Purdue's standpoint is, yeah, they're legit number one. And what's funny about this is Boilermaker fans really, as a whole, don't want to hear anything about it. Seriously. I tell them all the time, hey, embrace this. Embrace this because this is a special brand of basketball. But they won't want to have it. Worry about what's going to go on in March. What's going to happen when you're the number one seed? They clearly, right now, Tony, have the best resume, bar none, in college basketball with their top 15 wins. Impressive across the board, but only the Boilermaker fans. What will matter is what you end up doing in March. And that comes from last year losing to Fairleigh Dickinson. It comes from years upon years of being disappointed in March. That's what they're looking for right now. So, really, it's odd because they're not even able to celebrate this very much. They go, oh, okay, that's great. Okay, what are we going to do in March? It is. I, it's, uh, it, it has to be mind-blowing for some of these Boilermaker fans. But number one, they are the best resume in college basketball so far they have, and they've been beyond impressive. Let's move it over to the Indianapolis Colts. And before we get to Jonathan Taylor back, you've got two suspensions. Yeah. You have the, the, the Colts saying of 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 Brown and of, oh is, is it McKenzie? That's it. Um yeah. your you you were healthy scratches for the Steelers games, and now both of these players, especially when you're down a Michael Pittman Jr. from that crazy hit uh, in, in the Steelers game, Isaiah McKenzie, your punt returner, Tony Brown, your cornerback, suspended for the final three games, uh co- conduct detrimental to the team. What was the conduct? Nobody knows. Oh, come on. 
No, I don't. I don't listen. I'm just honestly. I don't. I don't know what it is. I've asked. I know everybody else has asked nationally. I know they've asked, and I haven't heard anything. I've heard a your garden variety of rumors. I mean, some some are outrageous. Um, others not so much. But Tony, I will tell you this: it had to be something incredibly bad, considering they go from healthy scratches. Um, and then this week, not only do you suspend them, I can't remember the last time the Colts suspended a player, much less two, for conduct detrimental for the final, really for the final three regular season games for the end of the season. And then they removed their name tags from the locker room. So it it was something. I, I wish I had an answer for you. I don't. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know what it is other than all the rumors you know, there have been rumors from, you know, a fight with one another um, that boiled over to other stupidity. And I don't know what's what, at least concretely right now, but it had to be something. It had to be something because we, we have not seen anything of this magnitude really from from very many teams, much less this Colts team. And you, you, I guess you can look at it two different ways. When you looked at Chuck Pagano, when you looked at Frank Reich, everybody wanted and felt that it was soft regimes and the players needed to be held accountable. Well, that's one thing clearly Shane Steichen is doing right now. I mean, there is a level of accountability. And there's also been a high level of suspensions when you think about it with this team. Now, the one thing that you're going to look at as far as these two is that from what I've heard, there is nothing come down. You know, Because gambling was something because the Colts had – an issue, obviously, with Isaiah Rogers in that capacity. But, you know, the NFL hadn't come down with anything yet. So unless the Colts have been ahead of the NFL on this and these suspensions, it's just a lot of mystery as to what led to it. But it must have been incredibly egregious for the Colts to take the measures in which they did. And you know, a lot of the fan base out there are happy because they feel like there's that level of accountability in the last two coaching regimes that clearly was not there. I think that if you're talking about accountability, it's one thing. Transparency is something different. Detrimental yeah. to the team, you would think, is something that we, uh, or I would say a fan base, gets to know about. Yeah. Well, no, I'm right there, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you, and it, it's more of a mystery because, you know, obviously it's nothing that the NFL has decided to come down on yet. Normally, that is the case. So The holidays on yeah, Dale's I mean, farm weren't very... I can only go with what the rumors that you hear so far and i think some are actually made up others maybe not so much but uh, shane steichen said yesterday that he's going to keep that in house and i know that everybody around me has been working really hard to try to find out and nationally they're working really hard to try to find out and uh, mum is the word right now but yeah i'd like to know we could have a longer conversation with this in mind if we may talking to jmv he's the voice of sports in indiana and we move on to the colts and the Falcons, you're going to yep. have uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, it seems, back in the saddle. Zach Moss, uh, I don't know if he's going to be playing or, or, or not. You don't have Michael Pittman. Uh, talk to me about this matchup. What is it that you see? Well, I see a team, once again, in the Colts that needs to handle a team and not play down to that level. If you watch the act, even in the weather last week in Charlotte, against Carolina, you know, you saw what that Falcons team looked like. And remember, Tony, they made a quarterback change earlier this week. It's not going to be Desmond Ritter under center. It's going to be Taylor Heineke. And before you say, well, Taylor Heineke's not any good, uh, last the Colts saw Taylor Heineke, he was working the Colts in a, a win 
at Lucas Oil Stadium as the quarterback of the Washington Commanders right. a year ago in October. So he has done that work before. This team, Tony, just don't play down to your competition. Just don't play down to it. And I, we've kind of made a point with the Pacers at times doing that. Don't play down. Handle the business the way that you should. And this is a game that they, they should be able to to handle. And again, nothing's ever going to really be that easy for the Colts because they're simply put not that good. They're not good enough for them to be that easy. But man, you would like to see Tony them bottle what they had in the second half against the Steelers. I thought with this group, and I'm talking about the guys on the field in the second half, that was about as perfect of a performance offensively as this group could play and could give us. And man, if you could bottle that and give some more then you got something really to think about here as we go to the tail end of the season. So you're the Colts. Jonathan Taylor is back for this game? Yeah, that's what I'd expect. I mean, he was out there today. I mean, we won't know until this weekend, but I would expect, and I've expected all along that this would be the timetable for his, his return. But, yeah, and, and, you know, living on Goodson, you know, living on Trey Sermon, and, and really, Tony, what we didn't talk about is their offensive line. That offensive line played in the second half against the Steelers as well, as we have seen a Colts offensive line play collectively in a long time. And I'm talking about going back years, not just with this group, but with other groups. Again, if you can have anything like that, this Colts team's able to run, that is about as good, about as perfect as this offense can be. So I would expect Jonathan Taylor to be back, but I wouldn't lose sight of the fact that last week you got a lot of help and a lot of production from guys you didn't expect, and that all started with the offensive line playing its best game in ages. And then you have the reality that Michael Pittman Jr., um, who seems like he's going to be okay, I, he won't be in, in, in this game. He seems to be uh, out, out for this game. Your Gardner Minshew. Uh, Pittman's your target, man. Uh, as yeah. much as people talk up downs, Pittman's the target. So is this um, – you, you're going to have Montgomery, I think, for this game who had the touchdown last week and the touchdown he should have had and, 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 and dropped. Uh, this receiving core, as is uh, Sands Pittman, enough for Minshew to still be, you know, 18 for 28 and 264 yards? I'd like to hope so. Now, they did work out. If you saw this yesterday, they brought in – actually, I think it was on Tuesday. They brought in Jarvis Landry, the veteran wide receiver. Oh, from the Browns. Yeah, a, a slot guy. I, obviously, there hasn't been anything worked out, or we'd have heard about it right now, I would gather. But they brought him in. So, you know, what you're talking about, the point is made regarding Michael Pittman Jr. They're going to need some help there in some capacity. So they brought him in. They brought uh, Kiki QT in, who had been with this team before. You know, another kind of slot wide receiver, most notably with the Houston Texans. But they're bringing guys in to take a look. That is a major, major downfall, though, with no Michael Pittman Jr. Because what you said earlier is the most accurate, is that he is he's the safety valve. He's the guy that he trusts the most offensively to throw to, and he's going to catch it. And that's Gardner Minshew to Michael Pittman Jr. So, you know, playing without him, um, if that's the expectation, that is going to be very difficult on this offense. But I, hopefully we're seeing a Gardner Minshew that now has kind of soaked up this offense. He looks so good on Sunday or checked out on Saturday against the Steelers in the decision-making. I just thought as a whole this offense looked as good as you could actually want it to look. And I think that's something that they can roll into this Atlanta game because, to me, it starts where they wanted to start, up front with that offensive line. 
JMV, he is the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, The Fan. Out of Indianapolis is where you hear him. JMV, always a pleasure, man. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. If by some chance your Christmas shopping is not complete, let's go barbecue and let's go bourbon. I wrote the books, people. I wrote the book on bourbon. I wrote the book on barbecue. So so the bourbon book was, was the first book. And this is really, it, it is a reader. It is the law. It is basics. It's quotes. It's, it's meant to like be there in the bathroom or be there by the bar as a quick reference guide. That's all it was ever meant for. We're doing a second version of it. That'll be out in 2024. That one's going to get more in depth. Let's go barbecue. We really started getting an idea of, okay, here's how we write books over there at Eat, Drink, Smoke, My Cigar and Bourbon Show. Recipes, tips, and tales from the pit. The whole story about uh, how we engage briskets, uh, the, the, the history of, of smoked meat, the whole Thanksgiving turkey thing. It is, a, a we think, a great read, an enjoyable read. It's It's helpful in every way and it is the best stocking stuffer available and that's right i'm tooting my own dad if i had a horn i would toot right now let's go bbq recipes tips and tales from the pit and let's go bourbon the bourbon reader you've always needed both available at amazon.com we're talking christmas people order now and you'll have it it'll be in the stocking and christmas will be saved once again a jewish guy bringing you a good holiday what, too soon? No? I thought that was pretty good myself. Get the books. I'm Tony Katz. This, oh, that was funny. You stop it. This is Tony Katz today. Today.